Pulp MX Network production. Pulp MX fans, we're 550 plus shows and counting thanks to your support of our sponsors. Get the Pulp MX app for iOS and Android today. Save money with discount code PULPMX at BTOsports.com and click the Amazon banner on PulpMX.com for all other online purchases. It's the BTOsports.com Steve Mathis Show, presented by Fox Racing on RacerXOnline.com. The original Moto Podcast, featuring legends of the past, stars of today, Season previews and race reviews, introspection, opinion, facts, and laughs. Here's your host, Steve Mathis. Welcome to the BTOsports.com RacerX podcast presented by Fox Racing. BTOsports.com, anything you need for your biker body, check them out. They carry OEM parts now. And also uh, listen to the commercial for a discount code to uh, save yourself money. Uh, at btosports.com, really anything you need, they have it. And uh, international guys, please check out the pricing because uh, there are some differences uh, in currency from some of the competitors. Lowest prices at btosports.com. And Fox Racing, the global innovation leader for motocross racewear, continuing the relentless pursuit to innovate and elevate. Check out the 2014 line of products, Instinct Boot, V4 Helmet, Airspace Goggle, and uh, and more. And uh, Rocks and Dungey. So just some of the guys that wear Fox, foxhead.com. All right, thanks to those guys for sponsoring this thing. So I'm able to call up guys like now that I have on the line now, a couple of real legends of the sport to uh, talk about Supercross and how far it's come and, and everything else. Um, they were teammates for a while. First of all, uh, first guy on the phone, 1985, 125 national champion, motocross the nation's champion. He finished runner-up in two Supercross series, Ron the Dogger Lachine. Ronnie, what's up? What's happening, Steve? Glad to be here. Yeah, thanks for doing it. No uh, problem. Uh, and also on the phone, uh, multi-time AMA Supercross and National Champion, seven-time Motocross and Nations Champion. He's working with Jason Anderson now, and we can see the results. Uh, Jeff Ward, Wardy, thanks for for coming on. No problem, Steve. Anytime. And you guys were teammates for a few years there in the '80s, so we we definitely want to talk about that as well. Um, first of all, hey Wardy, um, congratulations on being honored at the Supercross uh, at Anaheim. They brought you out. They brought all the Supercross champions out. Uh, how cool was that for you? Uh, it was cool. I mean, I it, I go to all the, almost all the races there at Anaheim every year, and you know, pretty used to being there. But I think it was probably a lot more cooler for some of the guys that don't get there as often and you know get to be seen as much. But um, that was cool to have pretty much almost you know all the champions there, and you know, some guys that I kind of idolized, Pierre Carsmaker when I was. On Honda mini bikes, he was the factory guy. I used to ride my bicycle to his house, and Weinert was there, and Tony DiStefano, and the old guys, you know, right. from the sport, and just kind of hung out there, just doing circles in the driveway, probably being a pain in the ass, but uh, <laughs> it was, you know, so, but it was pretty cool to see some of those guys, and you know, like I'm sure most of the people in the stands didn't know who the hell we were, but um, oh, stop it! It, it, was, it, it was still, it was still cool. It was. I think they did a good job. They had the autograph session there. They brought all you guys in. I don't know. Did they pay any expenses? Do you know? I don't even know if it cost those guys anything. But uh, yeah, I only I only had fifteen miles to drive, so right. I'm sure uh, I'm sure uh, Stanton or somebody held out for a little more than yeah <laughs> free trip. I don't know. It was a. It was. I thought they did a good job. Do you, Do you agree? It was cool to see. 
Yeah, I mean, what else can you do? You know, I get they could have got, got us all on bikes out there and made us look like fools or something. But it's better uh, <laughs> just walk around and say hi and sign autographs. Who wanted to come over and take the time to wait in line to get one? So yeah, um, I mean, it's it's probably one you know chance in a lifetime really to stand in line and get you know twenty some odd Supercross champions all at one time on a poster. So it's something that. Yeah. to save for many years, so that's pretty cool. I did not know your your, your um, love of cars makers. I had no idea. Who knew? Yeah, I mean, he was a factory Honda guy, and, you know, back when Marty Smith was on and Tommy Croft, you know, mm-hmm. all those type of guys. It was yeah. the early era of motocross in the United States, and I was in the heyday of, you know, kind of starting the mini bike, you know, thing coming up when there really wasn't too many mini bike races to be had back in the late 60s and early 70s, so... Mm-hmm. Um, it was pretty cool just to, you know, see him again and this guy's that, you know, I re- names I remember that most of these guys racing have never even heard of. So, yeah, it was, uh, it was cool. Um, I was just glad that RJ didn't do come out on a KTM or anything weird. I was just telling somebody, <laughs> please keep him away from a KTM. Um, uh, hey, Dogger, so you're sitting in the stands. You, uh, you had a shot at the 85 title at the end. Uh, you finished second in, uh, in 80, 89 and 88. And David Villeman, who who almost won the title one year, tweeted, "Hey, it would have been nice to have been out there. I had a shot. It would have been cool to to be a Supercross champion, but oh well." Uh, was a little part of you saying, "Ah, damn, I, I I was close." A little part of you saying that. Yeah, of course. You know, I always look back on it and uh, you know wish I could have uh, wish I could have could have won one. You know, like I said, I came came pretty close a few times and. Uh, you know, there was a lot of pressure to win that title back then. I can remember it, uh, you know, at the Rose Bowl when it was, uh, you know, Wardy and Brock and myself going for that title. And I remember how nervous I was. And it was, uh, it was a big deal. And, uh, yeah, bummed it never happened. But, you know, I had a great career and, uh, mm-hmm. you know, can't change anything now. And, and uh, I look back on it with great memories. And just being in that era, you know, I think with the work spikes and, uh, you know, mm-hmm. being, you know, back then, I mean, the tracks weren't so, um, you know, so well designed and, you know, the same track builder at every race. So, you know, all the jumps are, you know, pretty, pretty perfect. And the, you know, the, the knowledge they have with the dirt and, you know, every, every race we went to or supercross we went to back in the day had a different track built or different dirt. You know, it was just, uh, you know, there was a lot of different factors back in the day. You know, if you look at the points, uh, Dogger, you're probably, your closest year was, uh, was no doubt 85 when, when Wardy and Glover were going at it. Really, the one if you if you want to talk about one that maybe got away a little bit, eighty nine. Uh, RJ breaks his wrist. Wardy, I think you're hurt with an ankle or something. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. Yeah. And uh, and Stanton wins it as a rookie. Dogger, you get second in the points. But that was one that I think you know could have been yours if if Jeff. I mean, Jeff rode great. He caught fire and all that. But uh, if there was a time where RJ and Wardy were out, it was it was that one for you. Yeah, yeah, it definitely should have been. And I can actually remember Wardy. Trying to help me out to uh, get me focused to uh, to realize that that was <laughs> there for the taking, and uh, you know it really just goes back to my preparation. You know, if I'd have had any kind of uh, you know even half of a decent sort of preparation and a uh, you know some sort of a um, what do I say? Uh, I don't know, just a, a regime. You know, something where I was you know eating at the right times and going to bed at the right times, and yeah. I probably wouldn't even have had to train. Just some kind of uh, schedule and it probably would have been mine but at that time in my life you know i was just so so all over the map that Mm -hmm. you know one weekend i would uh show up and i'd have uh 
strength to be able to run the whole moto and, and maybe or you know the main and maybe win and then the next week you know i would uh i'd hit the wall so it just uh it's, it's a bummer but you know it is what it is yeah wardy when you're helping dogger then you're, you're like thinking to yourself okay my ankle's checked up if i could just give this guy 20 percent of my work ethic just 20 percent yeah that would have been too much <laughs> no. no it's it's a tough championship to, to win and it doesn't by any means, guys that didn't win it, you know, doesn't take anything away from their talent and their riding skills and who they were in the sport. Just you know, um, it's just uh, there's so many guys back then, and um, yeah, like Dogger said, is you know he was there in that hunt, and yeah, he would be hit and miss, but that's kind of the way he was. It seems like the '85 when he got serious. I don't know, tell me, Ronnie, that it was even more pressure because I think he came in feeling more prepared and. Felt like he, you know, he had the chance to do it. Where all the other times it was, he was so blue. I mean, I was, I was tied up like a rubber band that night. I remember, and, right? And uh, yeah, I think everybody was. But um, it, it's tough to when he's been that way so long in his career for that one night to do that. I, I was kind of a little more pressure situations, and like I said, I had a pretty good routine there where I was more consistent. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, it was. Uh, I think that year, Dogger had a good shot at it, and. Just you know, a few mistakes is all it was. The uh, the eighty, which is there one title, Wardy Supercross title that stands out? I mean, obviously the first one, but then I'm thinking like it was two ten lappers or two twelve lappers, and you know, not no offense to anybody else, but in in eighty seven, and um, the other eighty seven, you beat Jeff War or you beat Ricky Johnson, so maybe that's it. I don't know. Is there is there one that was yeah. better? Well, the the first one's always there. I mean, that two moto deal was was a little funky. I mean, mm-hmm. I really dominated the outdoor nationals that year in '85 yeah. and was super strong. And um, it was Supercross. I only won one Supercross main event. I think that whole year. Really? So, oh wow! Um, I didn't know that. It won. The, I won motos, plenty of them. But it was. Yep. I mean, Supercross was hard to get through the first turn and just one moto a night, you know, in the <laughs> right. main event. Never left two. So that's what I was going to say. Uh, a lot more Twice as many chances to go down on the first turn. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, like I said, there's so many guys that year that could win. So, you know, you get a great start the first one, you win it, that's great. Then the next one, you get off 10th and finish, you know, fourth. Um, and the other guy gets 2-2 or something. It's, it was just super, you know, difficult with that. And that shorter lap times with only, I think, 10 lap main events or 12 lap main events. It was little sprint races. So it was just a different different time but it was that was the most stressful one probably like ronnie said the yeah. super crush ship ship was just you know so much pressure to get that and and then coming down to the last races with us only separated by you know three of us separated by two points or something or three points was mm-hmm. winner take all basically the last moto so it was uh it was just a lot of pressure and then it didn't end and the great with the had a protest with brock and yeah with me riding, you know, a little bit backwards on my heat race, which I was penalized for and fined, which I had to go to the last chance of the semi anyway. So it, it didn't matter. You can't disqualify somebody for the whole night because of the heat race. You get to move on. So mm-hmm. it, was just, it was like six months until I got the, you know, the word that, you know, I, I got the, the championship. So it was kind of a, a bummer on that end because it didn't happen that night because of the appeal. And, uh, but, they're all great. I mean, 87 was great. With RJ, I was Christmas the year I broke my ankle and raced two supercrosses with it broken and then had a weekend off and had surgery and it shattered when they drilled it. <laughs> then had to go to Hangtown and race and I think I got second and RJ center punched me in that 
side because he knew which ankle I was hurting on. <laughs> so, Not RJ. I ended up, I, I ended up winning that, that championship injured, and I think he got injured, so there was a little bit of luck involved in that. And yeah. Just like every year, you know, we're all super fast. You're injured every weekend almost, and nobody knows. And, yeah. Um, it's, just a, it's a tough series to win. I think Glover's still having a hard time. In talking to Glover, I think he's still having a hard time with that. With that, with that yeah. <laughs> he, you don't want to bring that up with Brock. No. Yeah. <laughs> um, he'll let you know how he feels, Ira, but yeah. yeah, it was tough. It, you know, I mean, the fact was I didn't get beat that night and had the point. So, I, I mean, yeah, yeah he yeah. did get it on, a, on an appeal. I don't know how great you'd feel about it, but it's still in the record books. But um, right. um, I don't live my life every day saying, hey, I got two championships. And <laughs> right off, <laughs> you know, I, I, you don't even think about it. But uh, I remember yeah, that track was, that night was just just gnarly too. Remember they did the whoops were like they took a backhoe and just dug trenches and, and made the whoops and the track was really tight and oh man I remember riding the track thinking man I can't even open this thing up or right. the track was funky. They were like, they were like coffin pits. They were like two feet deep straight across. You couldn't even go slow because you'd chase them and come to a stop and I remember I think that was, we were all struggling. I think that was one of the nights Ronnie you were like standing on the sidelines and we're laughing because we were struggling, and you were going to just show us all how to do it. <laughs> and I think you went wide open in there and then just did the biggest endo I think I've ever seen. <laughs> yeah, I have a picture of it on my wall. I do. Oh, and I yeah. do remember laughing, thinking, you guys can't get through there. Watch I, this. Uh, <laughs> Watch yeah, this. Check this out. <laughs> it was pretty funny. But, uh, yeah, the track was it was a, it was an electrical night. I mean, it was just that, that whole thing, being in the Rose Bowl and mm-hmm. the pressure and the build-up and – it was uh, it was pretty cool uh, just to be involved in it, whether you you know won or lost. And also, too, RJ wasn't far back either. Like he obviously he needed a lot of help, but he could have won too. It was a crazy night, like to go into it like that. And with two, yeah, motos. we could have. Well, the two moto format, yeah, I guess right. if you DNF one moto, we would have been screwed because what you know the points. So mm-hmm. you had you had two chances of it wasn't just one moto. You know, all three of us could have had a problem, and you had two chances to do that. So, um, yeah, there was a window of opportunity there, and. Um, um, points wise, getting uh, getting back to the to the Supercross champion ceremonies, Wardy. Uh, was there someone you hadn't seen in a while that you were pumped to see and, and talk to a little bit? Um, you know, a lot of guys. I mean, you see a lot of them, but I was you know the bomber was there. Mm-hmm. Um, he's always a cool guy to see, and uh, mainly because he was with half of my nightmares my whole younger career. <laughs> right, so right. it was nice. to <laughs> It's nice to just see him at, you know, better circumstances than at the racetrack looking like he wants to kill you. Because <laughs> um, <laughs> he, he was a tough dude. But, um, yeah, he was good. You know, like I said, Cars Maker and even Marty Tripe. Like, I saw him last year. But this guy's like that, that, you know, growing up as a kid, you were you kind of sticking to your brain, just throwing right. pictures and, and stuff like that. And just um, I just actually... You know, go ahead. Up. Go ahead. I just talked to Marty Tripes yesterday. I happened to go over to his shop. He, he, uh, his shop is right here by Maxima. I need him to make me a gasket or something. And just uh, he was kind of bummed that he didn't get. Uh, you know, they invited him up there and and wanted him. To, you know, told him he could be part of it and everything. And then they didn't bring him out and uh, introduce him or anything. I mean, he's kind of bummed. Really? Yeah. I don't know. It was, I think it was tough for to to get everybody. On stage, you know, I think I don't, I don't even know if he was down there. Um, yeah, he wasn't when they did 
Yeah, and so, I, I know Bailey wasn't down there either. I don't know what happened there. We were sitting down there, and yeah. RJ were like, and I were like, "Where's David?" We were all mm-hmm. we were uh, all wondering that. Yeah, we're like, because he had he was they had graphics on the screen like bringing out David Bailey, and yeah. then he never never came out. Johnny Hill came out. So, <laughs> yeah, so I don't know what happened. If, uh, I mean, he was there at the autograph session because I love talking with David, and then mm-hmm. um, maybe he just had to go home, or maybe he just couldn't, you know, maybe get down there. But uh, right. we could get down there, but. Uh, but that was kind of bummed that he wasn't. He didn't come out. Maybe he just didn't want to. Maybe he just didn't feel like coming out. I don't know. But yeah. um, he was missed down there. But yeah, I just think there's some. Even though you know the champions were down there, there was still quite a few other guys like Ronnie. You know, and they should could that made Supercross even though there wasn't a championship. But it was um, there's not too many guys in the sport. And you look at the grass era mm-hmm. and stuff like that. Who helped build the sport? You know, Jeremy did. Know, an awesome job, but who was the second role to where in our era we had more than the champion that was yeah. at that at that race that was really building the sport up and, and making the racing what it was with rivalries going on and fights and you know just making it what it, you know what it is today that could have been down there that didn't win championships that people would still recognize and yeah and uh, yeah probably say wow you know wow I didn't know he didn't win one. Well, yeah, well, Glover, Ronnie, yeah, I mean, uh, right, you know, right. it's crazy you know? when you think about it. The talent back then, it does, I mean, maybe it's one of those things where you go uphill to school both ways, but I do <laughs> think that the talent back then was phenomenal, you know, um, um, the things that you, all you guys were able to do and the era you were in and the bikes and everything else, it, it, it again, maybe it's the old timer in me coming out, but I don't know. It seems, well, I, I, you know. Think it, I think it goes to what Ronnie said about the tracks, mm-hmm. um, Today you get a guy that can ride these, they can ride them all, but back then, I mean, each week there was a track that I thought, oh, this is bitch and it's perfect, and the next week I'm like, oh, this sucks, this is screwed. <laughs> I don't like that. You know, Ronnie was the same way. So you, you had different talents of riding styles, kind of like an outdoor, um, that mixed it up and made everybody competitive to where now it just seems like, you know, if you can't get through the hoops, you're done, and if there's five guys that can't, well, then now you know who's going to be up there. And, right. And, and that's kind of the way it is every week. So um, maybe that's why there was just more guys in the mix. I don't know. It was uh, it was cool to see JMB there. Ronnie, do you do you know him at all? Do you? I mean, because he, you and Bailey were one of his his guys growing growing up in France. He told me that one time. Did, did you? Yeah, I actually after I won the championship in '85, the 125 class, I got invited over to South of France. It might have been after the Bercy Supercross, and uh, I went and did a photo shoot with the Motovert magazine with uh, Patrick Boulon and uh, Xavier and those guys. And um, I rode, like, all the 125s for 1986, and we did a bunch of photo shoots. And um, and I actually, they brought me over to John Michelle's house, and I got to ride his practice track and stuff there when he, long before he'd ever came over to the United States. So I first got to meet him and his brother there and um yeah i mean we're pretty good buddies you know i mean you know uh every time i see him you know we uh we hit it off and you know i got to spend some time with him in uh in bercy a couple years ago when jt brought us all over there and uh and brought us out in opening ceremonies and stuff like that so that was pretty cool and uh yeah he's a he's a pretty talented guy and he's uh he runs to a different beat that's for sure um (laughs) You know him. I think he's into like some sailing and stuff like that, and out by himself out in the ocean. And uh, you know, you got to kind of respect a guy that can can do yeah. that. You know, Wardy. He told me one time that the two cool, like not a lot of guys liked him. Uh, he was the foreigner, but he did tell me that two guys mm-hmm. that were cool to him were Doug Dubok and Jeff Ward. <laughs> <laughs> so, you two, congratulations on being one of the guys that were friendliest to JMB. 
There you go. Yeah, we got along well. I mean, yeah, I mean, I, you learned a lot from that guy watching him ride, and and the stuff he did was, you know, kind of like we're watching Bailey learning stuff and Ronnie. And so you got to admire a guy that comes over, puts his uh, whole career on the line, and you know, because none of us ever wanted to go over there to try it. So, yeah, right. <laughs> um, that's for sure. So yeah, and we just you know hit it off. My personality was never the one to be brash or you know I always figured that. What is it? Keep your enemies closer. I think mm-hmm. is what they say. <laughs> but uh, just you know, by hanging around him, everybody seemed to hate him. But he was a really cool guy. Just you know, yeah. um, stayed to himself a little bit. Like Ronnie said, he beat the different drum kind of. But um, you, you know, I don't think he got a fair rap by the spectators, and uh, and that that was only because he was so talented and when able was able to beat you know their heroes that were over here. So yeah. Um, yeah, I, I love seeing him. Yeah, he's the guy that I enjoyed seeing when he was here the other night talking to him. And, um, you know, to go for motocross, what he did in his heyday, he could have gone many more years to yeah. go deep, GP road racing and, and be as competitive as he as he was. It was, it was pretty amazing. And uh, um, so, yeah, very talented guy. Uh, Wardy, you're working with Jason Anderson this year, uh, the Rockstar KTM team. And congratulations, by the way. The kid is flying. Um, but he's... He's going up against Cole Seely, who, who you, you know, you definitely helped Cole get on the Troy Lee team. You spotted something. He's friends with your, your son, I believe. It's got to be a little, little mixed emotion for you out there. But they, they're keeping it clean, and they, they both seem respectful of each other. But uh, yeah, you got you, you almost have two title contenders in that class, Forty. Yeah, they're too great. For, I mean, I'm on calls. He's at the house all the time. He was on 80s, and I helped him at the track with his dad, and helping at Troy's, and. You know, and um, Troy has this program, and this I've been just doing some training on the side with some kids that, you know, my kids still race. So we help kids at the track and some semi-pro, you know, amateur intermediates and whatnot. And then Jason was just with my son Brandon, too. And, and you know, I don't really, I didn't, not really deal with Troy Lee's team right now, and they have their program. And then, so uh, Jason called me to help out, and I'm like, yeah, sure, it'd be great to have a guy that mm-hmm. has that kind of talent to work with and, you know, it's not. I'm not teaching him anything that he doesn't know, right? And why? Because the kid's been fast his whole life. Uh, I've known him on many bikes too when we were racing, and um, so basically, it's, you know, I'm helping him out. We're cycling. I do a weight program. I was, I'm big into weight to get some more strength and and just uh, you know mentally, and then just making sure he goes down the right road. These mm-hmm. amateur kids make the wrong decision at some point. It takes a while to get back, and sometimes you don't get back because of the mistakes you made. So if I can minimize those. And keep his head on straight, which is a big, you know, a big difficulty. And to win a championship, super hard. Your first time, the pressure, you know, I remember mm-hmm. it was crazy. And then when you get it, it's just like, oh, it's like your whole career was just made, you know, because right, the hard right. work you put in. So they're all in the same boat. And, you know, I was super pumped for Cole. I mean, to get that win just because, you know, the way they were taking away the other two were tough. Uh, <laughs> last laps. Yeah. Nothing, nothing planned like that. But, you know, when you don't quit and you keep pushing, I know what that is when you're leading and somebody's closing in and you, you want to get it. And, you know, I didn't, I didn't expect those to happen. The second one, maybe a little more than the first one, but um, it's going to be a good battle. Those two are clean riders and they love, you know, riding with each other. And, um, but I, you know, suspect that the other guys with Wilson and, and Webb and Till mm-hmm. and whoever, they're, you know, they're going to be in there in the mix at some point and um, you just have to prepare for all types of riders and you know, how it's going to be played. Uh, Ronnie, your dad obviously starting Maxima Oil and, and it being the you know very very successful company that is today that you that you work at. 
maybe this question doesn't apply, but did you ever think about working with somebody or, or doing something with a kid or, or, I mean, anything like that? Yeah, I have done some some riding schools and stuff, but it's it's just really not my my cup of tea, you know. I don't mm-hmm. know, um, you know. Obviously, I never was a big trainer and stuff back in my day. I just kind of winged it and and uh, you know rode rode as hard as I could. And that's you know, like I said, I never really had a program or mm-hmm. any of that kind of stuff. So for me to try to you know yeah. to preach that kind of stuff now, you know, it would, would be kind of hypocritical and uh, <laughs> and. <laughs> And I don't know, like I said, I've done a few schools and, um, you know, the dads are always there and they're, and it's just really hard for me to, you know, go to a kid that, uh, you know, that's trying to improve and, you know, maybe there's some jumps there and tell them, Hey, you know, you can jump this. And then they go to jump it and they crash and get hurt. And it's just, uh, for me, it's just not, not my cup of tea, to be honest with you. I've tried it and, and uh you know actually been kind of pushed into it a few times and it just uh yeah, yeah. <laughs> it wasn't comfortable for me and I, I just didn't like it and I, I just don't not something i want to do somebody asked uh hey wardy somebody asked dogger hey so how do i go this turn and ron he's just like i don't know i just do it i just yeah. do it <laughs> i have no Same idea thing, like guys you guys used to go what gear are you hitting that jump in and i go the one that works you know <laughs> <laughs> when the, well, that's kind of the way it is. Yes, anybody what gear you're. I mean, you really don't know. It's just like you got to feel it, and it's hard to teach people that. But I mean, I, I have four kids, and three of them have written, so it comes a little naturally, you know, when you're out there trying to teach and and uh, you know give the knowledge kind of that you had when you came up. So but just being at the track, I'm there all the time. Yeah. So it just kind of goes hand in hand to have a few more guys on there that actually help out my son because some of them are faster. So it's. Mm-hmm. Uh, it works, you know, both ways, so it's cool. Um, and then you're like, hey, Anderson, listen, I, I I once knew this guy named Ronnie Lachine. He was very <laughs> talented. He was young. He had a lot of money. Let me tell you. <laughs> yeah, don't go down that road. Right, right. <laughs> no, nah, I mean, Dogger's the one. I mean, he, he had the best corner speed there was out there and style in the corner. So, was, I mean, it's about momentum, and Ronnie's probably one of the best at it. So, um, and riding fluid and smooth and picking lines and, you know, that's how you, uh, right. that's how you race races. And, and some of them just want to twist the throttle and not think. And, you know, it's, uh, there's always, every rider has something that you can learn from and, right. and put together and make the perfect package. You know, it's hard to do. So you just try to give as much pieces of the puzzle as you can and see what sticks when, you know, they, they ride. This is going to be a little bit of a difficult question. And, 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 and maybe you guys have a few answers, but, Ronnie, what um, you go to a Supercross now, and obviously you're at all the Anaheim, San Diego, and all that. Mm-hmm. What's the biggest change? Like, or what's the biggest change for the better, or for the worse, or like it's such a different era than when you guys race, but yet in some ways it's not. Like when you watch, like we just talked about how gnarly the '85 Rose Bowl track is, and when you watch some late '80s Supercrosses, those jumps at times seem bigger than what the guys are doing now. Of course, the bikes weren't as good and weren't as fast, but um. What's your take on Supercross now, like good and bad? What What do you think? Well, it's definitely changed tremendously. Like I said before, um, my first my first thing would be the tracks. Like I said, just the you know how much they've how how much better they've got at making the tracks, and they're also safe. And you know, a lot of the jumps, the angles, and everything are, are similar each week. And the you know mm-hmm. the guys look look to me like they get comfortable with the way the track is built and the jumps and everything. And, uh, you know, the distances, I think, you know, 
once they build the triple at Anaheim and you do it, you know, um, it's pretty much the same the rest of the year. And then, obviously, the bikes have gotten a lot easier to ride. So, um, you know, back in our day, like I said, the tracks were different every week. And, um, you know, we would get to a track and there would be some triple and it would be like, you know, nobody would do it. Everybody would be waiting to see, you know. <laughs> and, you know, you'd have to come out of the turn. Finally, somebody would go for it and just, yeah, all right. I mean, you'd give it everything you have and just going for it like evil Knievel. And, you know, if the guy made it, you were like, oh, shit, now i got to do that, you know. And I don't see that happening anymore. Mm-hmm. I don't see it as... Uh, you know, as death-defying like it used to be. I mean, obviously, there's still um, very technical tracks, and they're, and they're doing a lot of, uh, a lot yeah. of, uh, you know, pushing the limit. But um, you know, that's that's the biggest thing I see. Um, you know, and then all the sponsors coming in and stuff, all the aftermarket companies and the and the energy drinks and the money and the show and everything. It's just, uh, you know, I yeah. mean, I think it's. Uh, I, I like the way it's going. I just the racing to me is different for sure than it was in in our day. Um, and is it, do you think that's because of different track builders? They just got whoever was local, or, or I know Savitsky did some, and other guys. Was it part of that that reason? Do you think? I think so. I mean, I think it's a little bit of that and a little bit, like, set up the knowledge of the dirt. I think, you know, now with these Dirt Works guys and the guys that are doing the tracks, they 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 bring in the certain lime and the stuff to get, the, you know, to make the dirt just almost, like, perfect, you know. And mm-hmm. back in our day, they'd leave the dirt sitting out in the parking lot for a year, and it'd rain on it all year. And then, you know, they'd bring it in and try to make a track out of it, and you'd walk around on it, and the, the dirt would move under your feet. And I mean, I think the guys would they would boycott if they had to race on some of the stuff that we used to have to race on. Even the outdoors, too. I mean, like, I see pictures from Binghamton or, you know, Redbud back in the day, and, I mean, it was just gnarly shale rock. I mean, just, I mean, it was it was gnarly. And, and these days, they, you know, they they change all that up and get all the rocks out and make it, you know, which it's going to be safer and, you know, so. BTOsports.com, RacerX podcast presented by Fox Racing. Hey, I want to talk about privateers and what they choose for suspension. Yeah, that's right. Some of the top privateers, most of the top privateers out there, choose Racetech. Long been supporting the world's fastest privateer since 1984. Michael Lieb, Vince Freeze, Chris Blows, Cody Gilmore, and many other guys uh, choose uh, Racetech suspension, and they've been around a long time, and their, their work stands for itself. Don't forget, people. At least uh, change your oil in your new bike and use Racetech to do it. Some of that stock oil isn't that good. Uh, Racetech's the world's largest aftermarket motorcycle suspension modification company. 30 years they've been supplying racers, riders, and tuners with the industry's best suspension products. Paul Thee, the owner of Racetech, one of the smartest guys out there, and uh, the creators of the do-it-yourself gold valve kit. It's a revalve in a box. Racetech.com for a full listing of suspension parts, tools, and information. Race tech. Go there. Make your bike handle better. Do it. Racetech.com. Thanks for listening. What do you think, Gordy? Yeah, pretty much. I mean, same thing Jogger said, the tracks, um, you know, the bikes. I mean, the stuff they have now, they're, yeah, they're at the limits. I mean, even that Phoenix that triple out of the coin the lights guys were doing. I mean, it was everything you had. And, you know, thank God those things are fuel injected and there's never a hiccup in those things. And because that would be, be gnarly back in our, you know, you could have a jump like that you had to do. But then those two strokes, you just never knew when they were going to do the bog on you or the, you know, or something. So it was, 
the tracks were different. You know, the show, of course, is going to progress with, you know, just everything with media and mm-hmm. just everything there is now. Everything's just got to be, you know, so much bigger and better. And, I mean, the shows we had were, you know, great. And the opening ceremonies are kind of the same where the riders come out. And so, you know, there's not much different you can do with the show. It's still going to be some heat races and main events. And, um, you know, mm-hmm. the, the biggest thing is trying to get the racing, you know, competitive. And it, it is. I mean, right now there's... A lot of guys that can, uh, you know, go fast and run up front. It's great seeing five, six, seven guys within, you know, five seconds mm-hmm. of each other. And mistakes mean you get passed instead of, you know, one or two guys breaking away. So the racing's great. And, yeah, like Dodger said, each track he went to was just so different. And, yeah, I remember many times you're sitting on a walk in the track and Roy Turner, our team manager, would say, yeah, you can jump that and just look <laughs> at him and go, you're, you're an idiot. It's like... <laughs> Thanks for putting that in my brain right now. And, you know, and then you'd be watching that and you'd see somebody like Guy Cooper or somebody just shift into fourth and pull up and right. <laughs> almost end it, pull revving wide open and land it. And then you're like, oh, God, here we go. <laughs> you're um, like, I got to do it now. <laughs> yeah, so it's a lot of those nights and, and a lot of times you'd stop doing it because, like you said, the mixture of the dirt, you'd get these ruts where when you dropped off a section and coming up to a triple, man, he just didn't know what rut to hit. Um, it was like a mud race, with, you know, in dry conditions. Yeah. And it, it was pretty sketchy and probably why we have a lot of broken ankles and wrists from our career because you came up short a lot and we had to jump through the bars a few times. So it, was, um, it would be nice to have, and the practice tracks, you know, we had were not, you know, were different. And mm-hmm. nowadays, yeah, you really get to, you know, which is, which is great, but they get to prep and perfect their, you know, style and technique and get to a track and hopefully that, uh, you know, minimizes injuries, but it's still gnarly out there with the stuff that they still jump, you know, when you walk the track and you're just like, wow, it's amazing that you can get over that. But it always looks different as a spectator than when you get on the bike and it doesn't seem near as far when you're riding it than it is when you're looking at it. (laughs) Yeah, talk about the ruts and everything else, uh, uh, Wardy. Those are the races that Dogger won, Pontiac, Seattle, (laughs) <laughs> yeah, he just stood up and then just put those big rudders he had out there. And <laughs> those were the races yeah. I liked, man. That's that dirt I'm talking about. That old Seattle yeah. dirt, man. Yeah. It just you'd walk around in the morning, morning track walk, and the whole thing was like it was on water and just kind of moving around. And that reminds me of that jump in Anaheim, Morty, that you did. I think it was '87. There was that double yeah. onto that tabletop, and I'm think I remember going. I don't think I want to jump that. <laughs> There was yeah. some, there was some jump after practice they took out or something was that what it was, or or was I thinking am I thinking of something else? You might be thinking of something else. Morty was doing that jump uh, all through the main. I think it was eighty seven. It was eighty seven. Yeah, the year Ricky got knocked out. Um, yeah, that whole shot and then he went down and then I think Brock did it a few times and maybe Mickey Diamond, but that was it. And, I, did yeah, it and I think like, they restarted that, right? They restarted because yeah. I was up in the parking lot. I'd crashed in the first lap, and then I was out, and they restarted. I went back, and I think you went one, and I went two. Yeah, you were going home, and then you get to come back and uh, <laughs> get oh, second. Yeah, dog, your back end of your bike was all destroyed or something, right? Yeah, yeah. no rear fender and the whole nine. <laughs> like, hey, put your gear back on. You're like, I already got plans for tonight. <laughs> yeah, I'm out of here. <laughs> I just made plans. I'm going to Hollywood. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, hey, I, one thing I couldn't help but notice in, in all those Supercross champion inductions, how many guys rode Hondas? Now, Ronnie, you came over from the 85 Works Honda to 86 Cowie. Production rule was in effect, 
And you'd said you've told me many times that the '86 Cowies weren't weren't your favorite bikes. Wardy, mm-hmm. you stuck with Cowie the whole time. How much? First, I'll start with you, Wardy. How much of an advantage were the Hondas? Do you do you think back then? Well, I mean, I never rode one, so uh, Ronnie. Yeah, I was going to say you don't know. He never rode one. <laughs> I never wa- I never wanted. To. I remember when Ronnie came over. Um, a six, I think we had a Honda there. I don't know if he had one or you know just the brakes and and it's like you need to, and I'm, I I wouldn't even try it because I knew if I got on it, <laughs> I wouldn't even try. Brakes were bitching. I'd be like kicking myself in the butt. Like why didn't I go ride for Honda or you know I'm never going to yeah. beat that bike because it's that much better. So I figure if I never tried one, I'd never know. But oh, so you never um, you never tried one. You never swapped. Never not, not with Johnny O nah, or nothing. Okay, no. Nah. Yeah, never even sat on one. Maybe uh, I sat on one at one time, but yeah, um, yeah. But but you know, Honda had great bikes and the, the works. You know, Kawasaki was always a little bit behind in development with you know disc brake. My one in '84, I still had a drum brake on my 125 mm-hmm. when they had disc brakes from like '81 on. You know, <laughs> yeah, so, right, right. Um, maybe that's why I went so fast. My rear brake would wear out, and I couldn't. You know, corner <laughs> speed was quicker. I don't know, but. Um, and then I was a little behind, and then the production role. Yeah, I mean, Kawasaki wasn't known to have the best. We didn't have the best works bike. You know, how were we going to have the best production bike? And then we went that route, and Ronnie came over. I think it's the first time because Honda had the badasses Hondas in '85 you could ever have. Yeah, to a to a probably one of the worst production bikes out there at the time. So, uh, you know, even though you had all your factory shocks and clamps and um, stuff on them, it was still a tank. And, um, compared to the Honda, but uh, you know it's hard to tell. I, mean, I had some great eighty four, eighty five. I had some great works bikes. I mean, there's mm-hmm. no doubt about it. But once the production roll came, it was a whole different ball game of trying to get you know get that bike competitive. What do you think, Ronnie? How yeah, that's how they that's how they they lured me over to Cali. Was I rode your eighty five works bike? I'm thinking, oh, this thing's <laughs> decent, not too bad. But then that was the, I think I rode that thing for three or four weeks, and then the production bikes came out. I never saw it again, and that was a rude awakening. But yeah, I remember uh, you know the first few months trying to get used to those bikes and just the power and um, definitely the brakes and the and the forks. I know I had some leftover works parts from a. Um, a bike that I'd built for a magazine shoot where I did, uh, you know, I took some works forks and like a works swing arm and shock and, and kind of made like a pre-production or a production-based bike that was going to be like an 86. I made a Honda like that, so I still had some some parts. And once I got over to Cowie and realized that the brakes and stuff like that, um, I brought those parts up to Roy and said, man, this is this is what a, a good brake's supposed to be like, and, and this is what the good forks are. And I think they used the bo- they took the bottoms of my Honda forks off and put the Cowie bottoms on them, and we ran those for a while, and, and I think they sent the brakes off to Japan. And, um, you know, so, yeah. yeah, it was a rude awakening for me, for sure. Um, even when I went from Yamaha to Honda, you know, in 84, I mean, the, the 84 Honda works bike, man, the power was just gnarly. And mm-hmm. uh, it took me a while to get used to it. You know, I struggled through Supercross. And I was going to say earlier, that was probably, to me, one of the toughest years in Supercross, uh, you know, 84, 85, just because of the guys that were still around that were getting close to retirement, you know, Barnett and Bell. And, mm-hmm. well, Mike might have been out of there by 84. But, I mean, there was just so many guys, you know, Johnny O, Bailey, Wardy. Johnson, Glover, I mean, there was just, I mean, the stack in 84 was just gnarly. Yeah, no, it was, no doubt about it. Um, 86, Ronnie, so you joined Cowie. Um, 
do you get along with Wardy? How what's your relationship like with Wardy when you first joined the team? I mean, obviously you're the up and coming star. You got a big contract. I think you said three years, a million bucks or something. Yep. Um, and Wardy, Wardy's the established champion. What, what's the relationship like when you first joined Cowie? I always totally respected Wardy, and uh, you know I was happy to be on the team. And uh, you know we always had a great relationship. We we're always good friends, and and. Uh, and on the track, you know, I always, uh, you know, I don't know if I probably told Wardy before, but I always gave him, you know, more room than I gave anybody else. You know, I never, uh, you know, we battled pretty good in 84, 85 and Supercross mm-hmm. and, and, uh, and stuff. And, you know, I was, uh, I was pretty aggressive then, but once I came to the team, I definitely, uh, I definitely gave Wardy a space and respected him probably more than I did anybody else on the track for sure. And Wardy, you, you get this hot shot kid. The next one coming up, maybe going to take your place. You know, um, even though you're still pretty young, he's even younger. Uh, what's what are you thinking when Ronnie joins the team? I was pumped because I think in my contract I had where I couldn't get, I wasn't going to get paid any less than the, the next guy that came on the team. So the more he can get, the more I paid. So <laughs> really, that's what your contract your contract your contract said that. I don't remember that. I think I remember, yeah, because I just remember, like, hey, I worked my ass off at these championships, and then, you know, salaries keep going up, then you get maybe somebody coming in that hasn't won anything that's going to get paid more than you have that won four championships. So I think I remember my guy that made my contract was like, if there's somebody else came in that got paid more money, I got equal. So um, I was pumped for Ronnie to come on. <laughs> I don't think that ever worked out. I mean, I don't know if it's a deal, but... Um, yeah, I remember the day, you know, when I, I was up in Turner's office. I, I mean, we talked to because I think even Johnson was, you know, in the mix of, you know, this and that. And, and um, you know, I, I had, I wouldn't say any say in the decision, but I'm sure they were probably asking me, what do you think? So I had a little, you know, clue in what was going on. So, right. um, um, who the, you know, another rider they were bringing in. I was, you know, I was cool with Ronnie, and it was probably it was you know, for me, it'd be better than, you know, than RJ, I'm sure, because <laughs> um, that way we would have definitely probably butt heads more, but Ronnie was, I always say, is probably one of my best teammates. I mean, we had a great time. Part of the sport was having fun, you know, enjoying what you're doing, enjoying to be at the track, and, you know, yeah, trying to win races, but the people that, you know, behind the scene that put everything together also have to, you know, get along with Rick Ash and, mm-hmm. you know, Roy and just everybody mechanics and, you know, about having a good time at the racetrack, but then, you know, also trying to help one another, you know, win championships and, you know, get the bike better. And um, I've, I've always been that kind of way as a teammate, you know, just because I think you can learn from from anybody that, you know, that's racing on your team or even other team to, mm-hmm. to listen to or watch. So um, Ronnie was always fun to be around, and we always had a good time. You're listening to the Racer X podcast presented by uh, Fox Racing, the BTOSports.com. We thank uh, thank everybody for listening. We got Ron Lachine and Jeff Ward on the line. Uh, check out BTOSports.com to save money. Use the code PulpMX to, for a discount. And Fox Fox Racing, what more can you say about them? Check out Foxhead.com. Um, Wardy, th- were there days when you just Seattle Pontiac, or s- certainly some 500 Nationals? Where Ronnie was just on, and that was it. That was you mean you're you're in this title hunt with Rick Johnson or whatever, and then you just you wake Ronnie wakes up on the right side of the bed, and and he's untouchable, and you just go, that's that's going to happen. Oh yeah, it was many times we scratched our heads. <laughs> <'Cause>, <laughs> like what Ronnie said before was like, 
Yeah, it'd be days he comes and he's strong and just kills it. And then, you know, the next week, because his program was up and down, and yeah. he would, you know, but some of the amazing ones were the ones you expected, the cooler days or something, the smoother tracks. Sometimes he didn't win, but then there were the days where it was the gnarliest heat and the roughest tracks, and he, and he dominated both motos. I mean, I think Troy, Ohio was one of them where he won, like, both motos on the 500. And, and I remember RJ and I were just racing our ass off and, <laughs> you know, we were dead tired, laying on the ground with water under the, you know, the, the victory thing, and yeah. Dogger's doing his parade lap, and his hair's not even wet, you know, and he's just <laughs> like, where'd that come from, you know, and you're just scratching your head, so, yeah, um, yeah there's tons of time, you just, that's why, you know, Dogger's the dogger. Right, right. <laughs> I was looking forward to that uh, Molson Golden that Marshall Plum had gave me that was exactly. going, sitting in the cooler waiting for after the moto. It's nice we to had know. Our best, we had our best times like going to the airport after the races and getting there, and Dogger throwing his seat up in first class through the you know, and in in our dolphin shorts and tank tops. <laughs> <laughs> well, didn't Ronnie? You said sometimes you would get the rental car, and Wardy would have to do it if you didn't make the podium. You'd be honking the horn, "Let's go, Wardy, let's go!" <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Well, I got the best rental car story ever from Wardy when we won the Trophy to Nations there. When we there was a. Uh, traffic jam about i don't know it must have been 20 miles long and we were leaving it was warty driving i was in the past seat and rj was in the back and i had a buddy that had gone with us and uh there was this big plowed field that was next to this line of cars and it was you know it was dry and you know stuff back there and man warty looked at it and just he hit this field going like 50 and this i looked back in this big cloud of dust was just rolling on all these french people that were sitting in their cars waiting to leave the place man we bombed it down the side of the road and just got out of there in like 10 minutes it was hilarious <laughs> and no italian or french police came to get you um yeah talking about that motocross the nations warty the 88 that was one of those days you were on a 125 on a pretty fast track so there wasn't much hope of you winning overall but how worried were you about Dogger uh, and maybe his extracurricular activities? And, and then <laughs> and then he shows up and he just goes one one. Yeah, that was the uh, the French right. The French were about to get us, um, you know. And we'd won quite a few times, so whatever tactics they could, you know, throw at us. So, you know, so Ronnie had his, I think he had one of his buddies there that year. Not even been the same year. I don't know. But um, it was. <laughs> yeah, they were. You know, they were going to have tests and all this and. So we were all prepared and had everything covered, and mm-hmm. um, that was a cool race. I mean, I got to race Sean Michelle Bell, who was world champion that year on a 125, and I hadn't ridden one since '84. So, yeah, um, it was, that was he waxed me the first moto. I think I got second in the class, and I mean, Dogger killed us both motos there on the 500. But second moto, Bale and I were going at it, and I caught him and stuck him in a corner and put him down on the last lap or two, and. And uh, got the overall in the 125 class, and then, uh, but you know, we were in France, and that was uh, their guy. So I was, it wasn't, it, we didn't know if we were going to get out of there too safely <laughs> that day. But uh, that was a good day for Ronnie and and us, and uh, but that was a memorable uh, motocross nation. I'm going to ask you guys the same question, but about the other uh, Ronnie, best race you ever saw Wardy have. Most of the time, I was riding with him, so it was hard to say. Yeah. I mean, I guess I would say maybe Pasadena for me. I mean, it would yeah. have to be that race. You know, he came through and in the in the uh, 
you know, in the clutch and, and won the championship away from both Brock and myself. And, uh, you know, even though he did have some problems in the, uh, in the heat race and, and all the, uh, you know, the, the, uh, yeah. the, you know, all the problems with going backwards on the track and all mm-hmm. that stuff with the, I think that probably was one of them. Uh, what about Wardy? Best like, was there a race where you were leading and flying, and Dogger comes sailing by you and disappears? Is there? There's a few of them. Yeah, for sure. Troy, um, Ohio, but, like you said, Troy, maybe. Well, yeah, but even I remember, like, in, I think what was your year, first year in the Nationals, '83? Was it? Yeah, '83. How about '83, Millville? <laughs> right. Yeah, just uh, you know, rides like that where the, you know this is a 16 year old that nobody knows and is uh, just kicking everybody's ass, and, and that bike was awesome, and the style was awesome, and, um, you know, there's so many races in 83 that, that we, you know, did battle with, and and, uh, um, and then also the 88 motocross donations, we just killed it. And there was other donations, you know. Um, uh, what other years were you on? Was that the only was Yeah, the other year we went to Germany when we went to Geldorf when they did all three yeah. classes together. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and he waxed. I mean, those races when you know we needed to show up and all do our jobs. Ronnie was. Yeah, you did really well that day too. I think you got third on a two fifty and against all the five hundreds and beat like Vanderven or. Yeah, eighty five. That was uh, you were on the one twenty five, right? Yep, uh, yep. You were two fifty, and then uh, Bailey was five hundred. Yeah, that was a cool year. Yeah, Yeah. fast track. Yeah, hard track, hard pack, fast track. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and those guys are good on that stuff because that's what they wrote. So it was like we were looking for berms anywhere, you know, and stuff. And the blue groove stuff, those guys, the way they in the middle of the bike and ride, it was, they were, it was incredible how fast they could go. So to come away with as low as we rode at some of those tracks, you know, very memorable. And those ones with Ronnie at the 88 Donations and that one in 85 were, you know, big highlights yeah. for sure. Um, there's no secret, Ronnie, you've talked about it in our podcast and stuff. There's definitely near the end, your career got a little off the rails and you broke your femur at Steel City and, uh, was never the same guy again. Wardy, did you ever, did you know the extent that Ronnie was partying, let's say, and did you ever like try to, you know, you and Roy, I, I know Roy did for sure, Turner, the team manager, but did you ever like try to sit him down and be like, Ronnie, let me help you. Let me, or, or was it sort of like a competitor dog eat dog? Like, Hey, I'm. I, I'm going to beat this guy because he's not focused type deal? No, I mean, I, I mean, I'd helped Ronnie out with a lot of stuff, you know, and getting to the tracks and just, you know, we're doing a lot of things. But Roy, you know, Roy tried to get mostly, he was a team manager. And, um, yeah, no, I didn't know, you know, how deep or how, okay. know, I mean, a lot of guys, a lot of guys partied back then. A lot of guys did things and, yep. you know, maybe, and, and that's how well he rode and raced. You just kind of think, yeah, it's not that bad, you know. I mean, <laughs> right. he's showing up, and he's doing the job, you know. Okay, it's you know a little bit here in the guys' party. That's fine. I I don't do that, so it's mm-hmm. like I can't I can't say that you know just because I don't. Uh, majority of the guys back then kind of you know like that. Good, you know, it was a little, little different error. So um, I was just more mainly like you know when we were testing or going racing or you know at, at the racetrack, I always knew what I could do to help out teammates and mm-hmm. and, vice, and vice versa they were the same way so um i get no i never knew the you know what what was going on and i guess didn't it, get that involved in it off the track i, I guess in one way track. it was bad ronnie that you were able to do what you were doing and still win therefore reinforcing that you can hold it together right 
Yeah, I was pretty good at it. Um, I worked at it a long time. So, um, you know, I, you know, I knew I had to be there and, and try to uh, be prepared somewhat. You know, like I said, I did, I did have a lot of fun during the week and and didn't uh, didn't do a whole lot of uh, practicing and training during the weekend. But when I'd get to the races, you know, I uh, I was serious about it and and I gave it my best, whether whether I was prepared to handle it uh, or not, you know, that's kind of shows in my results. But, yeah, it definitely, um, you know, it gradually just got worse and worse and worse as with any addict or, you know, you know that uh, gets involved with that stuff. It just, um, you know, you don't realize um, how it's taken, taken, uh, taken hold of you and how it's progressively getting worse. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, there was, uh, you know, I always left it at home. And then when it got closer to when I broke my femur, then I started bringing it with me to the races and, you know, I wouldn't do it the day of the race, but then maybe the day before, which yeah. I, you know, earlier in my career, I would, you know, leave all that shit at home and I'd be gone two or three days and then I wouldn't, you know, wouldn't have it with me or something, but mm-hmm. it just got, you know, progressively worse until, um, you know, it came to a head and, and I got hurt and, um, you know, then it, uh, yeah. and, uh, that was kind of the end of it, you know, and, and Roy definitely tried to help me and, and, uh, you know, they did everything they could and, you know, even earlier in my career when I, you know, we went into a rehab deal and, and did that and that helped me get off of some stuff that I was into at that time, but it, mm-hmm. it you know, it went into other stuff and, and, uh, you know, it's just a bad deal. I mean, looking back, obviously I wish, you know, I would have never gotten involved with it, but you know, it is what it is. You know, I had a lot of fun and, uh, you know, there were some, there were some cool parties back in the day when Miller was sponsoring <laughs> the series and Coors and, you know, and there was, I think back then there was a lot more guys that were, you know, into going out and having, you know, drinking and, you know, guys that were smoking weed and stuff like that back then. And, you know, nowadays I, I think it's, I think most of the riders, if not all of them, are way more yeah. serious and stay away from that kind of stuff. And but I don't really know because I'm not uh, yeah. I'm not there after the races and I'm not as close to the riders and stuff as as I was obviously back then. So I don't really know. But I'm, that's just the feeling I get that a lot of the guys these days are uh, shy away from that for sure during the during the season. You know, I see some of the you know, the reality shows with Bubba and stuff like that. And it looks like they drink a little bit here and there, but uh, I don't, I think back in the day it was way more prevalent. And judging by the photos, I think the trophy girls were looser too. <laughs> yeah, I keep, man, I keep telling some, all these guys, I'm like, man, that was my highlight of my uh, life when I was young. I was 16 years old. If I get to the podium, you know, I got to kiss Miss Coors that was 27 years old, and she'd hand me a half-open Right. Freezing cold bottle of Miller Lite, so it was the highlight of my day. <laughs> it was an incentive to go fast. Exactly. Um, there was the, uh, and we won't keep you guys too much longer. So you break your femur, uh, Wardy. You're still at Cowie. Did you have a sense that that was it for Dogger? I mean, I know there was a 500 national test that Ronnie, you said you never showed up for um, at Carlsbad in '90. But yep. Wardy, did you have a sense that that was maybe going to be the end of Dogger and his career, or did you think like, ah, he'll be back in in '90 and uh, to race again? Um, I never, you know, I never thought that would be. I don't think you could have predicted that. You know, that would be one of the big last big races. You know, mm-hmm. um, certainly I knew it was you know devastating to have that happen, and and um, he was still a title contender and in that class and would have been for a few more years, right. you know, cause Ronnie could ride the 500 better than anybody. So, um, I never thought, you know, you never, at that time, you never think what the last, you know, injury or yeah, last yeah. moment's going to be of somebody's career. And, you know, doctors come back from injuries before all the time and you just, you know, figured, uh, 
um, you know, you'd just be coming back. But, you know, I was getting towards the end of my career, and um, I probably had two years, three years left, or at least two that were going to be competitive. But, you know, but that time I didn't know. I was still training hard and mm-hmm. never looking at the end. But, um, um, yeah, it was kind of uh, it was a bad deal to have that happen. Um, no doubt about it. Well, hey, guys, um, thank you for coming on. I thought it would be real cool to talk about the evolution of Supercross a little bit. And four years together as teammates at Factory Cowie and uh, multi-time champions and race winners and everything else, uh, Jeff Ward, Ron Lachine. Thanks for doing the BTOsports.com RacerX podcast presented by Fox Racing. Thanks to both of you guys. Appreciate it. And uh, we'll see you down the road. All right, ma'am. Cool. cool. See you. Thanks, Steve. Uh, see you, Dogger. Later, buddy. Thanks, guys. This has been the BTOsports.com podcast show presented by Fox Racing. Don't forget to check out some of our past shows, including motocross legends such as The Bad Boy, Rick Johnson. I looked down and my hand was junk. I mean, yeah. it was sitting over to the side. The tendons were jerking in weird places. And my biggest disappointment with Danny Storbeck is that he never said sorry. Danny and I were friends, and we've never talked since. Brian Lunas. Before the 500 event, Dave and I fly to Germany, go down to Stuttgart. There's this little shop out the back of the mall factory. We get our cylinders, take them back, and, you know, off we go. And, you know, we ran Nicosile Cylinders as a factory part for a handful of years before anybody ever saw it in production. Dave Arnold. And Magoo was all, you know how he did the big pancake thing? Right. And, right. and he's got the thing, he's completely laying on the gas tank trying to miss his tree. I mean, he would have gone even harder, jumped farther if that tree hadn't have been, you know, yeah. if, it, if it hadn't been there. The Hurricane Bob Hanna. I love the guy. I don't dislike. I think yeah. he's the greatest competitor this sport ever had. That absolutely 100% in my mind. I firmly believe that statement I said about these modern-day guys in Switzerland or Holland or Belgium on 45 minutes on the same bike. You're not beating Roger. Are you crazy? Right. They're not doing it. If they think they're so much better nowadays than they were in those days, they're fools. They're different bikes, different times. The Beast from the East, Damon Bradshaw. It got to the point where I didn't want to leave home. And once I got to the race, I wasn't into it. If I wasn't going to give 100%, I'm not going to take their money. The working class hero, Doug Henry. It was definitely an emotional moment for me, just thinking to myself, that's it, you know, and it's, it's amazing the stuff that goes through your head in a short amount of time of the things that, you know, that I was going to miss. The daughter, Ron Machine. Until you really open your ears and you want to listen to what they're saying, it's like beating a dead horse. I mean, and I know from personal experience, did anybody ever sit me down? Of course they did. Everybody did. Go circuits, Mitch Payton. There's two ways to make the money. One is you can sign for money, or two, you can earn the money. I'm a high believer in earning the money. I think they ride better when they earn the money. Seven-time Jeremy McGrath. I was so mad, like so disappointed and so frustrated that I pulled pitch and I left. Every point counts. I could kick myself to this day for not just riding around in tents. It's been no problem. My, my ego got in the way, you know? The O Show, Johnny Omar. Stuff that you could, you'd sit there if you didn't even want to ride it. You just wanted to just look at it all day. I mean, I got a chance to test all that. I like that era I was in. I really do. Search Pulp MX in the iTunes store to enjoy these and over 500 more great motocross podcasts.